Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather. Now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic state of mind. Yes, you're not seeing things. Declan's in the hot seat now on a Tuesday. This is your new Tuesday lineup. Myself, Lawrence Conley, and Patrick McGill are going to be your Tuesday guests. Guys, how are you doing on this Tuesday afternoon? Doing well, Declan. Doing well. Welcome yep, to Tuesday. Is this the Tuesday young team? Tuesday young team. <laughs> yep, you're the odd one out, mate, unfortunately. But it's all right. We'll bring you down to life. I know you're doing it hard. Patrick, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Looking forward to being a regular contributor to the Axon Tuesday Bulletin and uh, yep. looking forward to you being the, the new Tuesday host as well. Yep, Patrick has joined the cult. Um, so we'll just get right into this because this morning Celtic's PLC annual results and the year ending June 30th are published. Um, Ian Bankier said, to quote him, conditions have improved markedly. Patrick, I'm going to come to you first on this. Um in terms of the product on the pitch from what we've seen at the start of the season, would you say that on the pitch conditions have improved markedly? Um, after having watched the team for about eight weeks now, uh, I don't think the squad is any... It's not much stronger and it's not much weaker than what it was last season. 
I think where we have improved is in the managerial department. Um, I thought we'd improved in the in the boardroom with a new CEO and Dominic Mackay, but obviously he's vacated the building. Um, but I'd have liked to. Have, I would have liked uh, us to have spent more in the summer because I'd, I know other teams have had a poor start to the season, but so have we, and we need to start picking up serious points now. And uh, I'm not sure that we've done enough to be honest. Lawrence, Patrick touches on spending more in the summer. Um, we saw that there was a cost-cutting exercise in terms of operations. were decreased by 7.6% to £74.4 million, that going from the previous £80.5 million. Um, the player sales down dramatically, but that's obviously due to the fact that that was the tierney money that we'd seen in, included in this money is not the deals for Ayer, Edward and Ryan Christie. Um what was your take on what was published this morning and uh, what, what the club produced? So, obviously, those players you mentioned would normally have been sold last year, along with Encham, who we let go for mm-hmm. free, who would normally, you know, Porto put in a 14 million euro bid. But because the board decided to change the strangit, uh, transfer strategy in pursuit of the 10, I suppose these accounts have suffered as a result of that. Arguably, they got more for Eddie and Christie if they'd been sold earlier. So, although, you know, so, yeah, you know, turnover down, it's kind of worrying, you know, 60 million, 23, 25 million pounds spend in the summer. But we have brought in transfer fees and quite sizable ones. Uh, but if you're looking at a business model, it's going to be, we're going to have to sell again. Although we've got a few sell-on fees out there that we we'll maybe capitalise on in the future. Musa, KT, Christie, Ayer, and Eddie, depending on how they do. The team has improved. Uh, as a team, we've improved at home. Uh, still pretty bad away from home. Manager seems to have a better philosophy uh, going forward. As a squad, have we improved? As individuals, I would say, we're weaker. We're down in numbers, and I don't think we've got any, anyone of the talent of Eddie up front or an eye at the back. So I think individually, the squad is weaker. But this may be playing better as a team. And that's maybe just because, you know, we've got we've got rid of the guys that don't want to be here. The guys that were promised they could leave when we get a good bid in. And obviously guys like Encham when we didn't live up to that, uh, kind of downs tools and we're left freeing him or paying his contract off instead of taking fourteen million euros. Yeah, I think it was fifteen out in the summer and twelve in. Um I think if you look at the, the bench on Sunday, yeah, I know we've got injuries to, to players like Kyogo and Forrest, etc. but it is Fred Bear. And um, I think when you do look at midfield, particularly we're going to need to count in, in three players um, for a large part of this. Not this season, because we do hope that there's more coming in in January, but again, Celtic's record in past January transfer windows has not been um, the best. Patrick, one of the lines in the the report says we achieved good value from the transfer out of a number of players, notably Christopher Ayer, Odson Edward, and Ryan Christie. Um, would you agree with Ian Banker on that, that statement? Um, considering the circumstances, yes. Um, just to go back to Lawrence's point, you know these are these are players that should have been sold last season. You know, I don't understand how people can see look at the Celtic board and think of these people as good businessmen because we should have got. Uh, vast more sums of money for these players last summer, especially I, I think at least two of them wanted to leave. You know, mm. um, how that makes any sort of financial sense, any business sense to keep players who don't want to be there and then sell them for a lower value twelve months later in pursuit of what is essentially one league title. Even though we were all hoping for ten in a row, it is just a league title at the end of the day. Um, no, I, I disagree with with Ian uh, overall because th- these players should have been sold more uh, more recently, like uh, the summer of twenty twenty, for more money. Um, I think we've done well with Ayer uh, getting. I think it was thirteen and a half million, possibly rising to seventeen and a half. Um, Edward, I think we've done pretty well with seventeen and a half or eighteen and a half. Um, Christy and Cham, though, uh, what happened with Cham? I'm not too sure. Uh, why you would release a player like that when there's been bids in the past for so much? Why not try and tie him down in a new contract? I don't know. And then with Ryan Christie, considering they had about five months left in his deal, 
to get two and a half million is pretty good, but it should have never got to that stage. And it's going to happen again because there are players in the last year of their deal. And if we're not going to move them on this summer, which we haven't, we'll, we'll need to try and renew their contract, either to play them or to get a fee for them next summer. Mm. And there's not those big sell-on fees that we can probably see in the squad just now and even what we've brought in at this moment in time it does look like there's going to be the big multi-million deals that we've pulled off for guys like Tierney and Edward um, Stevens came in in the comments and saying that had the board sold players last summer um, would have went mental Lawrence would you agree with that sentiment or is it all down to communication and how you get that across to people that if you're in a position where you've got guys like say Odson Edward to, to speculate on this it's saying it wants to move away that the club do what they did like Aston Villa and had a clear communication strategy to the supporters and saying we've tried our best here but the player wants to, to move on and we're happy to do that and we will invest the money back into the squad which is something that in this report Ian Banker says that the club do Listen, I, I think you know there's a bit of truth in, in both it's how you communicate it yeah, a lot of the fans would have been unhappy but you know, we had a a strategy that was working and then they changed it last summer and then guess what it didn't work that season so yeah you know if Eddie had been sold we'd went mental but if we'd sold him for 30 million and bought a 15 million pound striker it might have you know another 7 million it might have cushioned the blow you know if we'd sold him and live and Tony was in the building wasn't he and we ended up paying the same amount of money for Albion a Yeti so for whatever happened the recruitment strategy didn't work last last year uh, yeah, we would we, we have went mental, but what we would have reinvested between those two players, I think Ayer, you know, there was Char about 30 million for him, 14 million euros for and Cham. If we'd invested all that back in the team, we might not have had so many loan players that kind of went up, went up to the job. Also, if you're investing in a team, it's assets, you've got to sell, you've touched on it. Who's the next big asset that Celtic can sell if this is our model? raising young players and sell them. You're looking, well, Kyogo's probably worth more than we paid for him. Who else, I think? McGregor. And then you're looking through the team and going, well, not too sure where the big money would be coming from. Uh, so, a bit of truth, you know, and we've got to communicate better to the fans, or Celtic need to be, communicate better. And yeah, a lot of Celtic fans were crazy going, you can't sell Eddie, but I think that's a, kind of a bit of a knee-jerk re- reaction. You know, if they said, well, look, he's running his contract down, he doesn't want to be here, he's not going to be as effective on the park. We're going to get 30 million quid and we're going to invest the majority of that into these strikers or, or, or into the team. I think that would have definitely calmed a lot of fans' concerns. Patrick, what's your take on that last summer? Um, from, from what we've heard from, from Neil Lennon, there, there wasn't many bids came in for the players that we've actually spoken about, but after watching what Aston Villa did during the, the Grealish situation, um, what would you put it down to had Celtic sold some of their major assets last summer? I think as long as you adequately replace them, because I think if a bid did come in for Eddie, it probably would have been in the region of 20 to 25 million. And if you're talking about getting Ivan Tony for 7 or 8 million, it's a question of how would they have actually performed under Neil Lynn, because he's quite clearly a good player. But under Neil Lennon last season, it doesn't really matter how good you were. It was an extremely poor team and just about everyone had a bad season. So there's not actually a lot the board can do about that. All they have to do is stick to the model of developing young players, selling them at the best possible time for the best possible price, and then trying to adequately replace them. What happened last summer? I mean, we spent £12 million on Barkas, Ayeti and Duffy. And mm. Duffy has left. Ayeti has scored less than 10 goals. And Barkas just has disaster after disaster every time he comes into the team. So it, it, we we failed last summer both in selling our assets and then trying to recruit players. So it, I think we're going over old ground a wee bit. All we need to do is yep. look to the future. Hopefully, you know, we've recouped money it, since the 30th of June when the accounts end. I think we've weathered the storm and we just need to get back on track and try and stick to the model that's worked so well the, the nine previous years. Yeah, part of that model is this, to quote, our strategy of balancing player development and player trading is fundamental fundamental to our self-sustaining business model. Um, Lawrence, we all like to see players break through from the Celtic Youth Academy. It's something that we all like to see 
somebody like ourselves break into the team and wear the hoops. Um, that probably touches on one of the subjects you can see in the tagline there, bowling goalie or Monty. Um, we saw bowling goalie come out of the, the cold and, and Sunday as a su- surprise inclusion into the team. Um, firstly, to ask on that, what, what did you make of uh, bowling, bowling, bowling goalie's uh, appearance on Sunday at the Tony Macaroni Arena? Was he any worse than any the rest of the team? It's a problem. It's about uh, I don't know if that's praise or a condemnation, but yeah, he's kind of not changed his mind that he's the he's the future of Celtic. That he's got a, a long term part to play. Maybe you know Spain would have taken a lot lot out of the team. Maybe that's why he's in because we asked with Redbeard. He thought Monty needed arrests. So some of the guys saying, well, maybe Scales should have been in. Then, you know, but, but he's not been with the team as long. So I guess with Bongoli, with Threadbear, looks like Taylor's out for a couple of months. We're going to be all, all in between him and Monty this season then. We're going to need to get him up to speed. If he's a player we want to move on, I guess people want to see him playing and play so they can judge him. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought Monty, but maybe he was knackered after exertions in, in midweek What are the comments coming in is saying if Ange thinks Bolly is playable I'm okay with that Patrick do you, do you agree with that um, we, we heard Liam Scales say that he prefers to play at centre back so it doesn't look as if he's going to be the option at left back and currently obviously Greg Taylor who would appear to be the first choice is out um, we saw an Instagram post of him yesterday after Surgery, or would you prefer to see um, Young Montgomery given the, the, the chance to break through? I think with Scales at centre back and Taylor out for months, I think we'll probably see a mixture of the two of them because they are the only two options. I can't see us persisting with Jovanovic out of position at left back. I don't think that's clever and I don't think that will work long term. Yeah, I think you've got to play players in a main position, a preferred mm-hmm. position. Um, we don't even know if left-back is Montgomery's preferred position. I think he's he's better there. Um, I think he, he goes forward really well for a left-back. Uh, and I think over time we'll see how he fares defensively at left-back. Um, I think it's actually... I think Clyde in February 2020 was bowling goalie's last start for Celtic. Right. So I think 17 months since his last start. I can understand why Lennon didn't play him after what happened last season, because he'd lost all trust in that player. You know, maybe John Kennedy could have brought him back into the fold because, you know, it's a new manager, new set of rules, fresh start. And I certainly with Ange, it's a fresh start. You know, he's not betrayed Ange, he's betrayed Lennon. So if Ange wants to give him another shot, then that's fair enough, especially with how thin in the ground the squad is. Um, but I think we'll see the both of them over the coming months because I don't think Taylor will be back until probably January. And, you know, that's just a guess. It could be longer, it could be shorter. But um, I, th- I think we'll probably see a 50-50 split of, of who's going to be first choice left back. Do you think there's possibly um, a temptation for Ange Postacoglu as well to put volleyball and goalie in the, the, the transfer window so that teams might have a look at him? Because uh, his team that he went out to in Turkey last year, um, he started the season off playing uh, Champions League football, of course, but I don't think they did too well in the Turkish league so do you think there's probably a temptation there as well to put him in a short window at this moment in time well we don't have many assets so we're going to have to start you know looking at players and thinking well if these guys maybe aren't fancied or they want to move on we need to start playing them start showing teams what they're actually worth and then getting a good fee for them next summer Um, I don't think the manager will be playing bowling goalie 20-30 times a season just in order for the board to make a few million quid uh, off him in the summer uh, I think Angel picked the team that he thinks is best to win the game. Uh, as for his performance at Livingston, I don't think he was particularly bad. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say his performance was good either. He was probably one of the better players in the team. But you know, it, it, it's hard to judge because it's it's a small pitch. It's an astroturf pitch. We lost the game. We didn't play well. I think if he starts in, against Wraith Rovers, which I think he probably will, um, we'll, we'll see him then, and we'll see how good he is both defensively and attacking, after not playing for Celtic for so long. Yeah, we may well do uh, see him feature against Rafe Rovers on Thursday. Um, Lawrence Paradise 63 has came in on the comments to say Rafe Rovers is a game 
their US players, not Livingston. Do you think on Sunday that Ange Postacoglu was resting players or do you just think the game came far too quickly after the game in, in Seville on Thursday evening? So, so I, th- I think it could be the same thing, couldn't it? You know, you're resting players because they're knackered, <laughs> you know, and that's because of when the game was in front of it. So that's rather than just resting them because they've had, yeah, played a lot of football, I think it was just the, the recovery time. Uh, but no, totally, Wraith Rovers is a chance to, to try out other players, maybe try out two up top. I don't know. It seems that Andrew wants to go 4 3 3 all the time, but it is a chance to, to, to try other things. So you never know. We might see Scales come in at centre back and, and ball at left back, but it would be a, if he wants a, a chance to try things or, or rest some players, it's definitely you would think against Wraith at home. Uh, we seem to be pretty good at home. So. He's touched on it. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Himself, he said, you know, we're, we're going to need a big squad because of the way he plays football. So he's going to have to manage that squad. So hopefully we do see a, f- a few players that we've been you know, waiting to see more of in this game. Maybe the Greek boy gets a start up top. Let's mm. see what he's got. Let's see what he's like. Uh, or maybe it's him and a Yeti up top. But I de- definitely say, you know, race a game that we can afford to take more chances in rather than... I mean, when was the last time we won away to Libby? It's always a tough place for us to go. So, yeah, it wasn't a game you'd, you'd want to be taking chances in. I think uh, the last time we won against Livingston was 2006. And I think, if I'm correct, Derek Riordan scored a brace and Jan Venegura Hesselink chipped in with the other goal. The game in Livingston, Patrick, um, obviously a very disappointing result. We've seen Celtic, you know, not pick up any points in the road in the the league this season and our form at home um, so far has been very good in the league and of course in the, the one league cup game that we've already played uh, I think our aggregate score in the league is 15-0 at this moment in time something that's caused a bit of controversy uh, yesterday again uh, to look just past Reef is Dundee United putting out a statement um, saying that they are not, again, like other teams that have visited Celtic Park this season, uh, getting an allocation uh, for Sunday. Celtic's SLO, JP Taylor confirmed today that was due to the red zone, which is still in place in the main stand, um, and that for visually impaired supporters, the section where the, the typical away fans would usually go is the only section on the ground that can be used. Do, do you think there's, there's a way around this for the club, or did the club just need to accommodate our own season ticket holders first and foremost? Well, you definitely need to accommodate the season ticket holders. Um, because of the red zone, obviously, it limits numbers. So I'm not sure you'd get any more than a couple of hundred away fans in. So I'm not sure it's entirely worth it. Beyond that, um, you know, we're talking about league games here. You're probably talking about European games as well. I think the red zone might even be bigger for European games. But when it comes to teams like Wraith Rovers, you know, that's a ticketed um, game that we're, we're definitely not going to sell out. So I think you could po- eh, probably give a part of the ground to Wraith Rovers fans and then 
you know, when the Scottish Cup comes around in January and February, if you've got home games, um, you know, you can give tickets to away fans then. But when it comes to European games and uh, league games, you've sold out your season tickets. So until the red zone goes, there's not a lot we can do. Our hands are tied. And when it comes to European games, we're probably going to sell out every single game anyway. And, you know, with with foreign travel being a bit difficult, it's probably not worth giving away fans tickets for European matches uh, just quite yet. Lawrence, what's your take on this? Um, again, to add into that, it may be the case that Celtic can't accommodate away fans, but at this point in time, I think Dundee United aren't even uh, gating a, a stream back to... I think they're trying at this moment to get a stream back to the stadium, but it's not It's not there as a pay-per-view event. Um, I think that's probably the least that the, the club could try and do since away fans obviously can't get into to Celtic Park at this moment in time and it's not on television. Listen, I, I, I think the game loses something yeah, without away fans at it. You know, I think Pinecastle, the team loses something when we went there with no fans. Same when we went over to the south side of the city to face the new club uh, with no fans there. You know, it definitely loses something. There's ways that it could be done. They could definitely get away fans in if they wanted. But, it, you know, it's their choice. What they're saying is, because we've sold the season books, if we let away fans in, some season ticket holders don't get in. That's the dilemma they face, which I, I guess people would probably have been aware of we're all aware of COVID. Was a possibility when you're buying a season book, you might not get might not get all the games, and it's up to Celtic how they manage that. And they've decided well, no away fans. And for me, you know, the, the matches are somewhat diminished when there's no away fans there. So yeah, I mean, they should definitely be able to arrange to get streams through. You would think, you know, and if Dundee United can't get off Celtic, I'm sure there's a guy on Facebook selling it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, it's. I think football definitely loses something. You know, I think Tynecastle lost something going there. I lo- lost something going to the side of the city without fans there. So, you know, the, the, I think probably they should come up with a way of getting away fans in the ground. And how they would do that, some season book holders are going to be disadvantaged. How they would pick that, I don't know. So maybe they've just went with the easy option, go, well, it's only kind of the away fans that will complain. Because in the league rules, it does say a reasonable number of tickets will be given to the opposition. And obviously, we've decided reasonable is zero. Which... Yeah. At this moment in time, I think I, I totally agree that probably the game does lose something from it. Um, you know, the atmosphere created on Sunday with the Celtic fans was, was very good. The, the fans certainly turned up on Sunday. It's a pity the, the players didn't. Um, a, a game like Sunday, Patrick, when you lose a game is always hard to take and when it's, you know, it's in the league and it's, you know, free and a bounce away from home that we've lost, it starts to shine on the deficiencies still at the club and Michael has come in in the comments to say he finds it hard to criticise Ange when he hasn't been able to bring in his own staff. Even Martindale said it. Um, has that been something, you know, we still know that John Kennedy and, and Gavin Strachan are still part of the the makeup of the backroom team at this moment in time, and obviously Stephen McManus came into that backroom team under John Kennedy. Has that been something uh, that's concerned you up until now? Or are you still stick with the line? I think that majority of Celtic fans were that when Andrew was questioned on this, that he said that he would decide um, whether or not they were they were suited to him. Yeah, um, I think it was probably the middle of June when I think the paper started coming out with the idea that it was a possibility that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan would sort of be the two main first-team coaches still, even with Andrew's manager. And I think everyone was rightly quite concerned because, you know, John Kennedy's been there for so long, you actually don't know how good a coach he is. You've seen that he's probably not the best manager through that three-month spell that he had. And, you know, the same with Gavin Strachan. There's no way of measuring this. I think if Gavin Strachan had a different name, um, I think he, he might be given the benefit of the doubt. But the fact that he's Gordon's son, and we know that Gordon Strachan has such a close relationship with Dermot Desmond, it feels like it's like the Pals Act and it's jobs for the boys. So you don't know the quality of these two. And they've had a disaster of a season last season with Neil Lennon as their manager. Ange is apparently fine with keeping them, which, you know... 
Ange is, is definitely his own man. He, he won't have anything foisted upon him. So in that respect, I'm 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 not too uh, I'm not too fussed. When it comes to the away form, you know, it's fifteen nil at home, but four one away. Mm. Uh, if you add up the aggregate scores, at there's no complaints with the home form really, but you've got to start looking at looking at the away form and thinking, what what is going wrong here? Because we've not kept a clean sheet, we've not even got a draw, we, we've lost three out of three. I, I don't know what the answer is personally, but I'm not paid millions to find that answer. So I think this needs to. It, I think Petodri. I know we're jumping ahead weeks here, but I think Petodri in two weeks is a massive game. But you know, you need to focus on race overs. You need to just sort of get the team ready and hope for another clean sheet and another victory and into the semi-finals. Yeah, it probably is one game at a time at this moment in time. With so many games coming so thick and fast before the the next international break um, in October, Lawrence, to, to go over to that, how do you think Celtic rectify this problem just now um, at Tyne Castle? I think we'd all agree we get the sucker punch. We didn't play terribly bad. Um, definitely when Haring came on in the game that was the time that changed it and you know I thought it was something that Ange Postacoglu would learn for um, you know we were Fredbear at that point in time as well in terms of the squad Hugo came on to make his, his debut Starfield obviously started the match many people say the game at Ibrox uh, came too soon for the team especially playing two of the players that we knew were going to depart only a couple of days later but in terms of going to uh, the spaghetti ad on Sunday there what, what lessons would you say were, were learned from the, the, the two games previous and what, what can you take from this game to go into the next game, which is uh, the next game, that being away from home, not the Rafe Rovers game uh, at Petodi, that's it's going to be so, so tough? I think we, we, we definitely need to be uh, better at mixing things up when planning doesn't work. Uh, but, you, you know, we're somewhat unlucky in a Hearts game, I thought. You know, another two games, Threadbare squad does, doesn't help us. It's, but you know it's early in Andrew's range. You, you, you know you, you don't want to be judging him yet. Going back to the point of striking Kennedy, I think he was happy to, to keep them so as he could have a look at them. And then if he thinks they're good enough, yeah, they've got a future. If they don't move out, but one of the things he did touch on during the transfer window was he felt he needed more guys in the sports science department. Uh, but that would kind of wait until once the transfer window had closed. It's closed. And worryingly, I've not heard of any additions to that area of Celtic, and it's something that the manager's on record as saying, there's a weakness, there's something I need to, to get the team performing better. So, obviously, Dom's left. So, I, I don't know, was that a change that was maybe agreed with Dom, and now it's a wee bit up in the air? It, it's hard to know what's going on, but the manager's on record saying, that's a weakness that we have. Uh, so, it'd be interesting to see if we... It's something we're going to address. When Dom was at the club, you saw the, the recruiting going on in the social media department was, was pretty heavy. Seems they've stopped. I've not seen many ads or, many, or much activity in that since Dom's left. So it's a, a bit of a mystery what's going on. Is, is the restructure stopped? Is it going ahead? I know what Gordon's maybe six weeks through his consultancy role. Are we waiting to the end of the consultancy role to make any changes? It's just kind of, yeah, it's a bit strange what's happening just now. And seems to, you know, have a definite way of playing and we want to do things. Has he been backed by the board? He's brought in a fair number of players, but I think we'd all agree we're probably three or four short of where we want to be in terms of squad size. Sports science, well, he's identified that, I'm not heard anyone coming on that side and his backroom staff well he said like, he would have a look at them and judge them so who knows if he's asked for somebody else to join yet or not or if his, his process of judging is over but going back to on the road yeah you, you, you know it, 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 it's worrying away from home you know it's kind of 2-1-1-0-1-0 one, one, nil, one, nil. you know it, it's fine margins but we need we need to find a way of overcoming these Listen, not everything was brilliant under under Brendan, but you know, there was a lot of kind of one nils away from home. You know, we were scraping the three points, but he found a way to get his teams winning, and I think that's something Ange needs to do. He needs to find a way to get his teams winning on the road. Yeah, Jungle Line came in in the comments to say if you want to want to win the league, you've got to win at least ten um, games away from home. 
Patrick, with the free flowing style that Celtic play at times, and uh, I don't think there's going to probably be a lot of clean sheets in the road uh, this season. Um, we, we, we knew what we were getting in terms of the manager's coming. He likes to play attacking football, and it was kind of the opposition score three, we score four. Probably not going to see a lot of those typical one uh, nil games that maybe Lawrence is, is talking about. Um, do, do you think there will possibly be a change in his approach from now on? That you know, in, in terms of games like that, that you just go and you, you try and get you know an early goal or try and nick it late on, and, and then just maybe sit in and try and grind it out a wee bit. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> you've seen in the three away defeats domestically that we've not played the same as we have at home. The performances have been significantly poorer, personally, I think. With Hearts, I don't think we're up and running yet. Uh, I don't think we'd actually won a game, a competitive game under Ange yet. Um, Ibrooks, I think we decided to set up differently. That's the way it looked to me. We, we set up more defensively. There didn't seem to be a lot of options going forward anyway. And then with Livingston, I only caught the second half, but we seem to have a lot more control. We're getting into the final third and we, we, we just couldn't break down their 10, 11 men behind the ball. And, you know, we do that no bother at home, uh, having 10 or 11 men behind the ball and breaking down teams and scoring five or six, you know. But away, it just doesn't seem to work and I'm not sure why that is. Um, I don't think you can play differently away as you do at home, because then you're effectively playing two different styles, two different formations, and that you know the, the players aren't daft, but it would confuse them. It would confuse anyone having two different styles of play. Uh, so I, I don't think that's an option, but I think something needs to change. I think if you get an early goal in your next away game and try and hold on to it, I I, I really don't know what the answer is, but you know something does have to change. Would something possibly be if you look at midfield in terms of just now obviously we can kind of play with that 6, 8 and 10 maybe looking at two controllers rather than trying to always use creative um, players in there but would you maybe say that's possibly an option to, to try and do I mean I know on Sunday people probably looked at the subs coming on and, and they'd beat on I know and, and it's Malia Sorrow but they're two players that could probably play that role and um, would that be something obviously James McCarthy um, true from reports yesterday isn't up to speed don't know how true or not true that is but in terms of holding midfielders we, we do have a lot of them and as well as that we've also not mentioned Liam Shaw who seems to have just completely disappeared off the radar Yeah um, I, I think as soon as McGregor comes back you need to play him um, What about the more forward role for Callum McGregor instead of the six? Well, if if you're going away from home and you're playing those two pivots, like, you know, we've done it religiously under, I think, both Brendan and Lennon. Yeah. And, you know, we're playing Brendan Partick. brought Enchantment to do it beside Brown a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think people are becoming quite frustrated because you're playing Alloa at home in the League Cup and Wraith Rovers at home in the League Cup and you're playing with a back four and two defensive pivots. You know, what, was there a need for that? Under Vange, as Lawrence says, we seem to be playing 4 3 3 a lot more. But away from home, I think if you have a, a, a back four and then maybe a player like McCarthy with McGregor next to him mm-hmm. and you, then you sort of rely on you know, your forward four players to, to attack a lot more and try and hit people in the break, maybe that could be a way that we go, you know, just to get the first away win, even not, not even sticking to that. Um, I, I, I'm not very impressed with either or well, any of the three defensive midfielders we've got, you know, beat on just sort of insists on fouling people every time he plays for Celtic. Uh, he also can't defend, which is pretty incredible. You know, God knows what he's like in training. He must have he must have must dirt and just, he must have dirt on every single staff member, you know. Um I, I agree with you. I thought Shaw was, you know, one of the standouts in early pre season. Obviously not all first team players were back. So, you know, and it's very early very early in the season, so it's hard to judge. But I thought Shaw was a standout. Not sure why he hasn't been given more time. Uh, McCarthy is allegedly unfit. He certainly can't. He, he can't play to his level for ninety minutes, evidently. And then I think Soros become really, really erratic. You know, his touches. He's given away daft fouls. His passing can be poor at times. Uh, I thought he had a disaster at Tynecastle last month. You know, it, it's quite odd what's happened to Ismaila Soros really. So. 
when it comes to defensive pairing, I think you're probably looking at McCarthy and McGregor and then maybe Turnbull in front of them. Uh, but, you know, we have to, we, we just have to win games, you know. Get your good performances in at home in front of Celtic fans and just win the game when it comes to away games. Lawrence, what's your take on these kind of holding midfielders that we've got? I know when his manager sort of came on and and Cindy played one really a good ball into <laughs> his feet and he turned it. It was actually a really good save from the, the the goalkeeper. But obviously in Thursday we saw the other side as Malia Soro, you know, in, in seven minutes picking up a booking right away in a game that we know he just couldn't afford to do that because after that he wouldn't have been able to put in the, the challenges that he would have to and evidently we get punished um, from that. What's your take on Celtic's kind of, would be described as number sixes are controlling midfielders at the moment? Well, well listen, we're playing Levy. A team that is even more in transition than us. They aren't, you know, we're bottom of the league. <sighs> are holding midfielders, which sh- should have been the, the least of our concern. It's really, you know, Turnbull and Roger that was my biggest concern that why weren't they creating for us? <laughs> but I think, I see if you look at the game and from, from what I've seen that we were doing, one of the balls that really impressed me was Vickers. He played the splitting ball through the defence and it split them open and we did it twice and it worked. And every time. And we're getting the ball out the flank, we're just trying to chip the ball in. So I think even from what I've seen in the game, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but a lot of the time it was our own players taking a step out and then just trying to play the ball through the, the, the line of Livingston because there were two, you just couldn't play balls into the box because the big number six for them dealt with everything in the air. We weren't mixing up enough, but that's true. But, you know, you're not, Turnbull and Roger were expecting them to create for us. I don't think you can dispute they didn't create for us. No. against bottom league team who's in more transition than us so as, as for a number six he's you know Beaton it's been a while since he's played there he's been at club a while but I think he's a very definition of a squad player not you know he's someone that when you start when you are so threadbare Sorrow you know he looked good when he broke in against Leon. Uh, but too many fouls he gives away too harshly. I mean, after seven or eight minutes, he, he was lucky not to get sent, sent off in Europe. You had another tackle after that. Could he, that could easily been a red card, never mind a yeah. second yellow. So his game was gone after seven or eight, eight, eight minutes. And then you could have subbed him then and went, well, look, he's not going to be able to do what we need him to do. McGregor, I think he, he's, he's wasted sitting deep. But then again, we let, we let Robertson go out and loan, who I thought would maybe be ahead of sorrow and <laughs> choices are starting from him and what I've seen he, he was a boy that handled let us down but was it sixes that cost us against Livingston <laughs> I, I don't think so uh, no. I, I'm more worried about <coughs> yeah Tur- Turnbull and Roger not creating yeah therefore as you know as you say you know it's got out wide and the wingers are trying to throw in sixes dealing with it so, so what are our two attacking midfielders doing what, what are they creating for us Uh and I think, you know, Callum's better push further forward. Listen, Tom, Tom Roger looked revitalised at the beginning of the season uh, in a couple of the home games. Uh, but it's against kind of the lower half of the table. Same with Turnbull. He's looked good. He scored a hat-trick against the lower half of the table. It's kind of in the bigger games or the harder games away from home. What these guys produce and when we need them to produce. You know, and they don't seem to be doing it against better opposition. Hmm. So... Is it because they don't have the, the ability to keep up that level against better opposition? Uh, so, it, for me, you know, sixes, that, that wasn't why we lost at Livingston. But, yeah, we, we've got a number that you'd say, well, James McCarthy could play that role once he's up to speed. And it maybe free is to put Callum further forward. Uh, the, the two of them are more interchangeable, aren't they? They, they, they can be more dynamic in the game then. Because both can play, you know, attacking and defensive midfield, and then you're looking at, you know, who for your number ten is going to be the big question. Yeah. Who's going to be the creative guy for us? Yeah, Patrick. If you look at the game in isolation on Sunday, and um, I think it suited Livingston to obviously get that goal. It's David Turnbull, one of those creative midfielders that Lawrence is talking about that, that loses the ball in midfield before it breaks in the left hand side and. Shinny obviously puts Levy up in the lead and I think it really suited them to play the game in front of them. They could just pack in and then a lot of the traffic that we were trying to get through um, that defence was we're trying to go too central. Anytime we get the ball into the flanks, it was the same thing. Uh, something I read on Twitter this morning that I found quite interesting was that was a record number of crosses um, for an Ange Postecoglou team in recent years, something like 38 crosses 
went into the box on Sunday and has record in one game at Yokohama being 35. So, you know, maybe there is a plan B there, but it's just not something that's worked that we can see um, happening. David Kelly said in the comments, in relation to the comment earlier on, uh, 10 away games, that's if you win every single home game, which we won't. Are you worried about the way we've played at home? Because I know we huffed and puffed a bit about against Ross County, and obviously... Vickers makes a breakthrough, but I think at home against St Murn and Dundee, yeah, I know it's not great opposition. I know Hearts came back um, when we were coasting that game, but is there anything in the, the performances at home that you've seen that would concern you? I'll be honest, not really, no. Um, I think the Hearts scoreline was a bit of a deception. Um, I thought we totally dominated that game. We could have scored about eight goals that day. Um I don't. I don't even think they deserved their two goals. I thought, you know, if the if this if the game ended three one, I think they'd have been quite lucky to get away with that. It ended it ended up being three two, you know. But no, I'm not that concerned with our home games. Obviously, we've not really played. I mean, Hearts are having a good start to the season, but we've not really played a top domestic uh, league game yet. So you know, Dundee United have started the season pretty well, so that'll be a test on Sunday. Um, going back to the goal that we conceded, you know, we're playing in front of Livingston for 25 minutes. Uh, slack pass uh, and then slack pass. I thought we started the game well on Sunday. I mean, usually Wait, when we go there, I think you're under the caution. I thought we were quite positive. I, I, I disagreed with what Postacoglu says in that. Well, I mean, there you go. You know, you're, you're playing well. One slack pass. I think we're caught pretty short at the back. Actually, it was it was as if it was like man for man at the back. Yeah, you know, the, the the full back goes to the winger, and then Welsh is sort of on his own and not switched on uh, for the for the goal scorer. Um, you know, you probably I, I'm not sure what the stats are in seasons in which we've won the league, but ten you probably need to win at least ten away games. I would think. You know, probably you're looking at twelve, thirteen. I would say. And then, obviously, most home games. But, you know, I think you're probably looking to win 16 or 17 home games, at least. Yeah. Um, I'm not too concerned about the way we play at home, but, you know, you're not going to win a league title just winning games at home. Lawrence, have you seen anything in the, the performances at home that we concerned you? Are you quite happy with the way we play at home? I mean, 15-0 speaks for itself. I think Ross County wasn't... They ended up a comfortable one, but Hearts got a crack and save... We were struggling to get the goal, but you know, once we got the goal, it seemed to open them up a bit more and you know, maybe settle their nerves. So perhaps that, you know, that was our least accomplished performance, shall we say, out of them. But as you say, you know, we're scoring and not conceding, which, you, you, you know, you're just going to win games if you score and don't concede. So, yeah, I mean, home looks better, but it's, you know, Celtic Park's a big pitch. It suits the style of football. It's a complaint surface. But, you know, it's not like we didn't know whether the natural tough pitch is tighter and it's harder to play on. <laughs> you, you know, this wasn't like, well, we just found it out a week before. We need to find a way to do it on the road, to do it in smaller pitches that don't afford us as much room. Uh, and I guess that comes down, you know, to the management team having a look at it and going, well, well, you know, the wingers are going to struggle here because there's not as much room for them to play. They're going to put 11 men behind the ball. What's the plan? Is it just throw it in the box? You know, to just get it wide and, and cross it in. All right, so who's a forward that's good in there? <laughs> you, you know, well, I've won it at this moment, unless, <laughs> unless the new Greek boy can do it, we don't, we don't have a, a big target. I mean, as I said earlier on, gay crosses, it might be the plan B, but they weren't hitting anybody. As I said, the living number six is just controlled yeah. everything in there on Sunday. So you've got to have a plan to. You know, if you're throwing across and you've got to be doing it with some kind of purpose that you've mm. got to think, well, I've got somebody decent there that is going to deal with this or at least challenge and maybe get a second ball. So it, it's it's a bit frustrating. Yeah, the creep boy might be good. You know, it'll be, be interesting to see. But against a lot of the small teams in the SPL, away from home as well as home, I think we should be playing two up front. Do we really need a defensive midfielder? You know... I'd argue if McCarthy and McGregor get fit, you don't, because, you know, as we transition and, and, and through the game, they can drop into that position. Both of them are good enough to play to play like that. So, yeah, it's, I suppose it's, it's you know, what we, listen, we're missing a lot of players and when they come back, we'll look a bit better. James A. Forrest, you know, he, 
he's going to be a huge miss for anyone. You get Kogi missing, made McGregor out, you know, you Julian out. You could see you're missing four or five first teamers there. So, but still Livingston bottom of the league, isn't it? Yeah, it's still still enough yeah. in the park, I think, Sunday to beat Livingston. Yeah. Aye, there should be, shouldn't there? You know, I know yep. Lenny gets slaughtered uh, for, for, for one of the results at uh, Armwindale. So, yeah, it's it's worrying whether for throwing th- 38 crosses and knowing we don't have anyone good in there. Hmm. Totally agree with that. Um, Patrick, Brian's came and he said, just to touch on what Lawrence is saying there, um, and something that you said about Livingston, you know, the whole game was in front of me, saying if we, we might fare better at Grimm's at Easter Road and Petodi due to the, the pitches being a bit bigger, and uh, that teams will have, you know, come in if I go at us. Would you, would you agree with that? I mean, Hibs obviously, it's usually one of the, the better games in the league because they, they will have a go at us. Do you think that will suit us a wee bit better? Or do you think that... Um, you know, that Achilles Hill Celtic, uh, the defence, will get caught out in the counter-attack like it has done so many times. Well, they certainly get dangerous players. You know, people like Martin Boyle, you just need to, you need to watch them all the time because they can pop up with a goal in a split second. Um, when it comes to Easter Road, you know, we've not won a league game there since, I think, February 2014. Certainly okay. early 2014. I think Van Dyke scored that free kick the last okay. time we won in the league at Easter Road. We've obviously won the Only Cup, uh, Lenny's second game back when he was interim. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be confident just because it's a bigger pitch that we would get a result, get a win at Easter Road. Uh, and I'm not sure how far off uh, an away game at Hibs is. When it comes to Aberdeen, we've got an, a phenomenal record at Petodre. You know, I think we've we've only failed to win twice in the last seven years or something. It's, it's absolutely incredible. But... You can't rely on these statistics because records are there to be broken. So I think you just need to try and set your team up to play as well as you can. I'd absolutely love a clean sheet at these two places. Um, but, you know, the bigger pitch definitely does suit us, but I don't think that guarantees you a win at all. No, I don't think it does. I think even Petodi at times is probably a bit tighter um, in terms of the pitch size. Um, Lawrence, do you think these type of games, the, the big games, obviously, um, but we've failed so far um, away from home, and what would be described as the two big games going to be Tynecastle and Ibrox? Do you think that um, we're likely, you know, the Celtic support behind the, the team and, and going to these places, Patrick's already touched on, you know, great record at Petodre. We seem to do well there in recent years, and um, uh, you know, a poor record at Easter Road. Do, do you think that, you know? teams that might have a go against us will be more suited to how we want to play? Definitely, you know, there's going to be more space behind them, isn't there? <laughs> you, you know, if you're not playing and it's congested an area, it, it, it should suit us. There should be uh, easier for strikers to make runs, easier to thread balls through to them. Listen, you know, we've got a hard three away games, haven't we? It's not too sure how many points we'll take for it, but, you know, Jared was on when we signed that and said, listen, your first season... Don't be expecting anything. It's the second season. Uh, and I think Mo, Dan said the same thing when he was on from Japan. Uh, and I think that's quickly been forgotten too, but you've got to win every game, Ange. And I don't know how realistic that's going to be. Uh, the next three away games in the league, I think we'd be lucky to win two from three. Uh, you know, that we always have lost four games in the league by then. Uh, I think last season we lost five. But that's kind of... Where I see he's sitting, you know, that I think the squad's down in numbers and down in quality from where it was last season. Uh, so, yeah, you, you know, it's going to be a tough season, I think. I, I can't see he's going away from home and, uh, and blowing teams away. Uh, I don't know what's going to have to change, whether it's just getting our best 11 fit. Well, you know, we'll definitely help to make a difference. Hopefully it's enough on the road, but, you, you know, we hadn't won away at Levy. We're still not one of the in ages. We've just touched on Easter Road. Well, you know, maybe records are there to be broken, but it's going to be a tough, tough trip for us, isn't it? Yeah, it will be a tough trip. Um, there's players on that Hibs team, like Martin Boyle, that Patrick's already touched on. It's had a decent start to the season. The Hibs have had a decent start to the season. Just really in the comments, Kevin Graham, if you've possibly seen Twitter last night um, his debut collection of poetry will be released very soon it's called Seven Years of Henrik um, it's going to include 50 poems on the King of Kings 
Not too sure it was touched on yesterday, so a wee bit of positive, uh, positivity into the bulletin. Uh, happy birthday to the King of Kings. Don't think he probably tunes into as he's busy with the, the disaster that is unfolding at Barcelona at this moment in time. But um, happy birthday to Henrik. I think everybody um, as a Celtic fan would share that sentiment. Um, could probably do with a striker like him, but yeah, I think he does time, tune into this. You think so? Yeah, well, I mean, you think he doesn't. I think he does. Well, I don't, I, 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 if he does watch this, then... What if he other does, then, podcasts would he choose? Uh, well, I think he's just he's trying to, you know, pick up Cummins' pieces now, so I think he's mm-hmm. just a wee bit too busy. But I'm sure if he had a wee bit more spare time, he definitely wouldn't tune in to, to listen to his talk nonsense. But anyway, to look forward, Rafe Rovers, Thursday... Um, don't know if a lot of people know this, but when, when Brendan Rodgers uh, came to Celtic in 2016, John McGlynn, of course, brought in under Ronnie Dyla, was there in the scouting team, and Brendan uh, transformed John McGlynn's position at Celtic Park to become one of the scouts who went to analyse and look at teams uh, in European football and were one of the guys that did the preps. So he uh, certainly is one of you know Brendan's prodigies, um, Patrick, Rafe Rovers, they're in a decent bit of form at this moment in time. It's a game that, you know, Celtic should be expected to win, but um, what type of game uh, are you expecting? Obviously, Celtic come into it having not won in two. Um, is it just a case of picking ourselves back up off the floor and uh, going again? Well, if he's in the mould of Brendan, he probably won't sit in. Not in the mould of Brendan, but he's certainly taken a lot that I think his team may be playing in the championship with in that mould but I don't think he'll maybe uh, use those tactics when it comes to Celtic right. Park well if he, he tries to play at all openly I think we'll just carve them open and score barrel loads we should be doing that anyway you know if we can do it with bottom of the premiership teams then we can certainly do it with mid to top of the championship table teams um, I think if we lose this game or even if it goes to a replay of extra time or if the performance is poor, I think you've got to start questioning the manager. I mean, I, I love Ange. Uh, I think he will be a brilliant manager for Celtic. You've seen how brilliant Celtic can be under him. But if you're playing brilliant, but you're not getting results, it, it's just, it's it's not going to work, is it? So I think it's a must game. I've seen it happen before with managers. I mean, you know, we played brilliant but you know I think we get one trophy over three years or four years or something so you, you've got to get the wins and you've got to get the trophies um, I think we will win you know I, I think it'll be fairly straightforward you know um, but if the, if the worst happens and, and we do fail to win I think you need to start looking at you know what's going wrong here because it, it, I, I don't think it can get any worse if we're going to win trophies and try and win back the league title it surely can't get worse things can only get better as that famous uh, saying goes DV. Lawrence uh, yes um, yeah I remember the way that came out <laughs> <laughs> we're not that old so we can't um, look, look ahead to Thursday um, would you make many changes from the team that started on Sunday obviously we don't know in terms of the injury updates whether Callum McGregor will be back fit whether our new Greek striker. Um, apologies for the pronunciation here. Uh, Jacques, what is it? Jacques Giacomakis. Um might be available. Obviously, scales featured in the bench on Sunday. Whether or not we could see him. Lawrence, how would you set up uh, on Thursday night looking towards that game? Well, the new Greek striker that you can't say in Banky, I can't no, spell. I'll just stick the Yeah, I would shove uh, Georges up front. Uh, along with the Yeti, I'd, I'd play two up front against them. Uh, at left back, I want to see Monty come in, uh, Van Bongoy. And hopefully we see uh, McGregor back. Uh, you know, he's touched on it, but we could expect to see him. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I'd be going two up top. You're ready the defensive mid, and Monty in at left back. I think. So, what, what formation would that be, Lawrence? Four four two. Yes, I'll go four four two, mate. Right. I, I don't think I, I just don't think he's the type of guy that's going to change from this this four three three that he 
obviously likes to use and again you know if you use your, your wingers properly in this you know it's basically a forward free but um, Patrick how about yourself what, 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 any anything different from what Lawrence has said there um, I think you need to stop tinkering with the team I think you need to start trying to get a settled team in so I'd go with you know Joe Hart obviously I'd, I'd play Bolingoli again because you know if he has de- if he has a disaster against Race Rovers you, you, you need to have a conversation there um, I'd probably go with uh, Starfield and Carter Vickers with Giovanni. I think that, that partnership needs to become settled and whoever it's going to be needs to play a run of games because we, we can't keep chopping and changing that. It was something that was in Achilles' his last season, wasn't it? I was it? actually going to say if Julian comes back the same player, I think it could be Carter Vickers and Julian mm, uh, in you know, November time. But you know, Carter Vickers and uh, Starfield uh, with Jovanovic. If McGregor's back, you know, it'll probably be McGregor, Roderick and Turnbull again with, you know, a bad... Uh, I'm not sure about the striker. I think he might stick with a Yeti and maybe bring Giacomakis on because I don't think mm-hmm. he's even played a minute, Giacomakis. No. And then... And he's supposedly um, he's not a pre-season era, so I don't know how much yeah. in terms of, you know... Is that not a Celtic pre-season? Because apparently he, he did the full one. <laughs> the Netherlands so well, but it's, it depends we're the only team that send same players that are unfit <laughs> you, yeah. you know it's kind of uh, other players other clubs sign players and they seem to be fit I, I don't know do we just go give us your unfit players because <laughs> we knock them down in price for being unfit or something I don't know It's it just seems I find it strange that, as well and, and you know a top goal scorer last season as well in the division won't he so uh, you know yeah. I don't know how you, you come off of that and you know, we pray that it's not just a flash in the pan that he does come in and obviously makes an impact for us. But I definitely agree there, Patsy. I think that centre half pairing at the back needs to be uh, nailed down to whatever it is. Yeah, because uh, you're hoping to keep two clean sheets against Race Rovers and Dundee United, and then hopefully, you know, Carter Vickers will have settled in by then, and hopefully Starfield's got a bit more confidence going into Bayer Leverkusen in a in a week's time. And then I'd, I'd play Yota uh, left wing as well. What's the Carter Vickers looks like? Sorry. A- he looks at the level we required, doesn't he? Carter yeah. Vickers. Mm-hmm. He's, a bit, right. he's a bit slow, but apart from that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you may be going him, Kyogo, um, Juranovic. I'm kind of going right. I, I think technically they're all good footballers. They look at the level. I think the, the rest of Kenneth Jury's out on just now, whether it's fitness mm-hmm. or, or just the level they can play at. Yeah, I think though, you know, uh, Tony Ralston probably will feel a bit hard done by, and it's, it's a sentence I didn't really think I would be saying a few months ago but even you know he takes his goal well away from home on Thursday evening uh, in Batiste and against Batiste and he doesn't you know he's just kind of out the dark I know Celtic's obviously brought in Juranovic for a substantial fee but uh, just both of you in agreement that at this point in time it needs to be Juranovic right back over Ralston I think so yeah you know listen Tony's went up in everybody's estimations and I think you know if he plays I'm not worried that you know, if it is Ralston and played for us before, you might have been going, not Ralston, I think. I have no worries about him playing, but I, I think Juranovic is a better player. And I, I think, you know, we need to get that a bit more settled in defence of going, right, you know, it's Hart plus the four in front of him. You need to get an understanding. You need to get playing as a unit. And I think the more games they get as a unit, hopefully the tighter we get, we stop losing silly goals. I mean, we've been beat by the odd goal three, three away games, haven't we? You know, if we'd been a bit tighter at the back, Instead of dropping nine, you know, you've got plus three. It's, you know, three draws just be tightened up at the back. So I think getting a settled back four or back five, including Hart's going to play to that, isn't it? Mm, yeah. uh, and you were asking Pat, Patrick about the manager. Is it too early to judge? I think it's way too early even if we get beat with it. You know, everything everyone's told us about this manager is like the first season's going to be a better off, right? But it's the long game you're playing here. You know, he's going to give you an exciting style of attacking football from the second season on, on you win things. I'm not too sure what got lost in translation or is it just now the reality is beginning to bite a bit because we've lost three league games on the road. It's, you know, if we could guarantee, you know, that we didn't win in this season but then went on a, another winning four trebles in a row under Ange playing kind of free-flowing, never-boring, free-scoring Ange ball. I'm sure <laughs> we would all accept that. Yeah. But, you know, for me, it's just early doors to judge him. The squad's threat there. It's clearly not his fault. He's identified by short and sports science. The club haven't done anything about that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he made noises about us having to get players in quicker. But, you know, what we seem to follow our same model of bringing them in all at the last minute and not bringing in enough. And I think that's probably a, a reflection on having changed the manager, but not the structure. We've still got the same way of doing business. We've still got the same board in charge. We had a new CEO in. That didn't work out. Now, I'm assuming it's not because he wanted to do the things the same way as we'd always done them, which we appear to be doing. You know, if he'd been happy to do that, I think he'd probably still have been here. But I think we can all say, listen, we're needing change out with the football inside. We're needing a structural change. We need a change to the, the way the board operates and the way we do business. Yeah, and it will be very interesting to see how that structure plays out. Again, as you touched on there, Lawrence, the only real difference from last season to this is Ange Postecoglou and instead of Neil Lennon. Um, I think just to wrap up, you know, the PLC, PLC results were um, uh, put out today and uh, at the end of it, it says Celtic is in good hands. I think a lot of people would question whether that is by the people in the boardroom, I think it's certainly in good t- hands by the support who, um, you know, I think that testament of that that loss being, you know, so low is testament to unwavering commitment from the, the support and everybody that's backed the club, whether that be in merchandise and season tickets and whatever else. So I think, you know, every Celtic fan should be, you know, proud of themselves and what they've probably gave to the club over the past 18 months and more throughout this pandemic. And um, we just hope that once the game rolls round on Thursday, we get a victory and kick on from there. So to everybody in the comments, thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed the chat, please give the video a thumbs up on YouTube. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. We've got plenty of good prizes coming out. But uh, that's yeah, all I've got go, to say. Sorry, Lawrence. I'll leave you with this. Dermot Desmond says it's Celtic's goal to improve in every department year on year. When was the last time the performance of this board improved? That's a question we will leave um, the Tuesday show on. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Thanks to Patrick and Lawrence for joining myself on the Tuesday Club. We look forward to doing this more often, but thanks to everybody for joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. Number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.